A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Welcome to River Cafe Table 4, a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. I have three brothers. My brother Joe is the eldest. I'm Valerie, the second and the only girl. And then my brother Jimmy and then the baby is Frankie. And we are a typical mid-20th century American family. Valerie Biden's family are typical Americans in some ways, but not that typical. Her brother Joe is President Biden, and in today's River Cafe Table 4, we'll be talking about food and family from the kitchen table to the White House. When President Biden's first wife died in a tragic accident, Valerie stepped up to support her nephews Beau and Hunter. Ice cream, hot dogs, peanut butter, and jelly sandwiches, Val's food memories are made up of American classics. But we'll begin right now with her favorite recipe from the River Cafe. It's quick, sweet tomato sauce. Serve six to eight. Three tablespoons olive oil. Three garlic cloves, peeled and cut into slivers. Two one-kilogram jars peeled plum tomato, drained of their juices a handful of fresh basil or oregano leaves. Heat one to two tablespoons of the olive oil in a large pan and fry the garlic until it is soft but not brown. Add the tomatoes with some sea salt and black pepper and cook fiercely, stirring constantly to prevent the tomatoes from sticking as they break up. As they cook, the tomatoes will release their juices. When the liquid has evaporated, add the remaining olive oil the basil or oregano, and more seasoning if necessary. Serve hot. And I always use the basil. And it's spectacular. It makes me smile because every family dinner, we all sit down and we have spaghetti and meatballs with tomato sauce, tell the same stories and laugh at the same jokes as if it's the first time we ever heard them. Can I ask you about food at the White House? What's it like when you go to eat with your brother? At the White House, the... Joe, the president and first lady, a.k.a. Joe and Jill, they don't have breakfast served. That's a time when you can get up and go to the small kitchen and Mm -hmm. have coffee or cereal and not have uh, people around, you know, who are very gracious and want to take care of you. But it's just a quiet time. Mm -hmm. Lunch, my brother is rather a pedestrian eater like I. Mm -hmm. Uh, He'll have a tuna fish salad. Uh, tuna fish sandwich or a chicken salad sandwich and always if we can tomato soup they make Mm -hmm. great tomato basil soup and then dinner the formal dinner that the stewards set and it's usually Jill my sister-in-law is very conscious of health I mean Mm -hmm. she's She's what I want to be when I when you when you grow up, yeah. <laughs> yes, when I grow up, and generally she has a fish meal, salmon and uh, and a crust, and delicious. But Joe and I said, "Oh, we're eating healthy again." Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, do you share a lot of time over food? It's almost always over a meal, especially since my, you know, brother, when he travels now, it's an entourage. Yeah. And it's generally, it, and it's an inconvenience to other people. I mean, it's for his safety and he's very, we're very appreciative, but it inconveniences other people, you know, to go in, in the arrest. So we don't go to restaurants very often. We either at his house or my house and uh, Jimmy Biden's house. Frankie, our youngest, is in Florida, so not at his house. But we sit and, again, tell the same old stories. We poke fun at each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in I have found that in a family that's close or a large family, your place in the family stays the same if you're 60 years old or if you're six mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. Once the baby, always the baby. You know, once mm-hmm. the middle, always the middle. Once the eldest, always. And once the only, which is, of course, me. And I would have it no other way. I loved, I loved, love, love growing up with my three brothers. They were a gift to me. I always say that I earned my husband, but my brothers were a gift. What was food like in the Biden household growing up? Food was, we always had enough of it to begin with, but it was ordinary. We didn't dine, we ate, but we always ate together every night. Uh, We grew up in a middle-class Irish Catholic background. My brother's as the firstborn, he was born in Scranton, but by the time, I guess he was eight years old, my father got work and moved to back home to Delaware, where dad was from. But what did your father do? My father was a car salesman, and then he ended up managing mostly Chevrolet dealerships, different ones here in Delaware. He'd come home for dinner. My father, the one thing about him was he had insisted upon impeccable table manners. My brother, Jimmy, probably has a a left elbow that's still weak from my father <laughs> smacking it, you know, when he put it on the table. So we had to know what the right knife and fork were and and how to pass uh, our dishes. And that was the only thing he was he was absolutely stern about. And uh, he thought it represented mm. good manners. Right. And I think it is very telling the way people are considerate in a way, if that's what manners are at the table and how... Things have changed. When I talked to Nancy Pelosi, she said that she'd never sat down in her childhood at a table where there wasn't a tablecloth. Was that in the Biden household as well? Well, what mom and dad had on the dining room table was a piece of glass that was fitted, that covered the table so it would save the wood. And we always had placemats and we always had napkins. And mom was an ordinary cook in, in the best sense of the word. I mean, we had... We were hamburgers, hot dogs. My favorite dish at the time was pot roast. She would always yeah. make that for me for my birthday. But there were there were certain rituals. Sunday morning after mass, we would come home and dad always made hotcakes. That was a big deal. There are three foods that I never ate when I was a child. And I don't know why, but I didn't like hotcakes and I didn't like hot dogs and I didn't yeah. like ham. <laughs> All the H's. Yeah, mm-hmm. and my mother ne- never made me eat them. So everybody would have hot uh, hot cakes with maple syrup. I had my Cheerios and milk. The second ritual was uh, because we were a Catholic family, we didn't eat meat on Friday. So on Fridays we had Mrs. Paul's frozen 
fish sticks, which meant that all four children grew up to really dislike fish. Mm. I mean, because because we had to eat it. Yeah. But more often than not, mom would substitute, and that's when we had spaghetti. Mom made her oh. homemade spaghetti sauce. What was that? Can I ask you what that was? Big cans of tomato sauce. I think mm. she would put in a, a pork chop, but I I never, I was not in the kitchen. I was yeah. out playing ball with my with my brothers. We came in, you know, mom had dinner ready. We sat down and ate, and there were no chores. Like, we didn't have to clean up after the table or because mom would always say my job's to be the mom and your job is to be the students go do your homework the big deal in in the house of uh, of food was if things were good on saturday night um we would my brother and i would ride our bike or if it were bad mom would drive us up to the local custler's pharmacy where they had ice cream Right. And we would we would get a half gallon of Breyer's ice cream. And the ice cream was vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes strawberry. I think Jimmy, I think Jimmy Biden was the only one who ate the strawberry. Mm-hmm. But that was a big deal. We'd have the half sweet. gallon of ice cream and we would watch Ed Sullivan show <laughs> on Sunday night. And then when you went to college, did you cook for yourself? You no longer had your mother saying, go and study. What did you do for food then? Well, I had a meal ticket. And at the time, everybody lived on campus all four years. So I didn't have an apartment where I had to experiment. You know, there was a a meal ticket and we ate normal college food. What what college did you go to? Where was that? University of Delaware. Delaware. About 50 minutes from our home. But to Mm. me, I had graduated from Ursuline Academy for young girls. Mm. But I thought I had died and gone to heaven. I went to the yeah. University of Delaware, 5,000 yeah. uh, undergraduates, co-ed, and I was in a brand new world, and I loved every single minute of it. And my big brother, Joey, was there, too. He was a junior when I was a freshman. And I was there because, because of him. I was mm-hmm. a good student, and I got in Delaware, but my... Mom and dad were not able to afford room and board, which is what the essence of college was. And Mm -hmm. I desperately wanted to go in room and board. And my dad told me, honey, look, I can't swing it. You Mm -hmm. know, you could commute. And my brother in that right after that called a family meeting with mom and dad. And respectfully, we were very, very Mm -hmm. aware of my father's dignity and it pained him that he wasn't able to send us both to room and board. But my brother said, dad, I've thought about this and here's what I propose. Val's a good kid. She's smarter than I, she deserves college more than I do. So I'm going to drop out this coming semester in September. I'm going to work for the year, save money so that I can go back the next year so that Val could take my place because she should be able to go to Delaware. She's earned it. Yeah. But my father said, my father called my brother champ and he said, champ, you can't do that. Cause my dad, it was as in that generation and that time in uh, mid 1960s, my dad assumed that I would get married and have children. And that, you know, the man had to be, was the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, you have to raise a family and support a family. And, Val's not going to have to do that. 
she'll have her pick of whatever she wants. Mm. But my brother said, um, no, he, he wanted to do it that way. And somehow, long story short, Ruthie, and it was late August, right before school started, that my father somehow managed to get a loan, mm. another mm. loan. And I went to the university with my brother. And as I said, I realized what a what a gift it was from my parents and I squeezed every single thing I could out of the school. I loved it. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Help helps is a maxim I believe in. We all carry around stress and hardship and when we keep it inside, it starts to chip away. Therapy is a safe place, and therapy is for everyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp dot com slash Ruthie today to get 10% off your first month. That's better help. H-E-L-P dot com slash Ruthie. Betterhelp dot com slash Ruthie. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. You were thrust at a very young age into cooking for young children, taking care of your brother's children. I jumped into domestic life and you know what? I had a very close friend. Her name was Maureen. She had two young boys who were close in age to Bo and Hunt, and she would give me quick down mm. and dirty recipes, you know, that they like this and they like that. She used to make scalloped potatoes, and mm-hmm. she said, get bratwurst, which I didn't know, were, they were fat hot dogs as far as I was mm. concerned, and put them on top, and that was a great dish, mm. an easy dish. And I did that, and I served it. We used to have a lazy Susan in mm. the kitchen, and I served it. Nobody told me to take the skin off the Brockwurst. So when I took it off and went to serve it to the boys, it flew off the table. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, Aunt Val, I mean, it, it was always a yeah. little bit of humor. But you were, 20, you were 26, you know, cut yourself some slack. I mean, that is very, very young. When I got the boys and started to cook, I wasn't a cook. I mean, I was an eater. So I made probably... Most nights of the week, uh, chicken breast, which mm-hmm. I boiled. Interesting. Boiled chicken breast. <laughs> and uh, came to be known as my rubber chicken. 
<laughs> and uh, boiled chicken breast and uh, meatloaf was another mm-hmm. thing that I made. And and I I would try in the be- in the beginning. Now and I'm trying when I had the boys. I'm trying to be healthy, and mm-hmm. I tried making flounder and telling yeah. them that it was chicken. Oh, uh, oh, and their favorite dish. And all of Bo's friends who call me Aunt Val, when you know, and this whole these kids who all grew up together. My specialty was egg in the cup. And that was a soft boiled egg. And mm. I never had to time it. Ruthie, I had an instinct. Oh, I knew exactly good. when it was right. That's very that's impressive because it's really hard to make a good soft boiled egg. Yeah. I would put it in the cup along with some shell, always a mm. little bit of shell, mm. some salt and pepper, butter, and I would break up toast and put it in an egg in the cup. And that was Bow and Hunt's, my children and all their kids. That was Mm. That was a favorite meal. Aunt Val didn't really screw that one up much. It's very traditional. It's very English. I think they call it, um, as a fellow American, it's called soldiers, isn't it? They make the little sticks of bread and then you dip it into the egg yolk. That I would give my children with tang. And which oh, yeah. they call, they called, uh, I would sing it, do it with a ting, tang, tong. That was the drink <laughs> of astronauts. I remember tang. But it was, I mean, it was, it was a terrible time. Ruthie, a terrible tragedy, but it yeah. was also a time of healing. Yeah. And there was joy. These boys, they mm. loved me full throttle and I loved do. them. And uh, and they healed. Joe and Je- we healed as a family. I mean, yeah. and there there was there was joy. And as I said, yes. five years later, Joe was able to come out of it because he met this wonderful woman, yeah. Joe Jacobs, and yeah. fell in love. So uh, the best thing that I, my memories of raising, of being with the boys, what my brother bought me a Jeep to travel around with the boys. And we were up high and we would look out the window and we, at a passerby, we'd be at a a stop sign or a red light Mm -hmm. and the boys would look out and we'd see the person and then we'd go off and we would spin magical tales like where they were going what do we think that they were oh, doing the jeep yes. was like a magic copper yeah. ride and we always had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and ting tang tong in the back seat okay for and emergency if this was a food of everyday life and you describe the meals around the table with after school and before homework um did your parents ever or did your family ever go to restaurants a graduation or mm-hmm. First communion or something like that, but we would always have a tray and you know bring it home. The big thing that we did in Delaware that we always brought home were hoagies or subs we call them, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. when the family gets together. If it's lunchtime or even going into dinner, it's either hoagies where we all grab and go out and sit in the porch on the picnic table, or when we sit down to dinner. It's spaghetti and meatballs. And now it's my spaghetti sauce, which is very similar to your quick, sweet tomato sauce. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season... We are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, 
the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. At the risk of sounding preachy, but again, from our parents, there was family and there was faith and there was a responsibility to each other. And then that went to, uh, moved over to the community at large. And there are so many people who are in need of food, which is a travesty in this country. And uh, I'm very happy that I'm able to work with the Ministry of Caring. We have three places throughout the city that serve food. And uh, it's over 100 churches and synagogues and religious groups and that do that. And I think, I mean, it, it's, it's just so obvious if we if we don't have nutrition, then we don't have energy and we don't have energy. We don't have power and we don't have an ability to think and to be on our feet. If we have food shortages, we fall into political problems where you have to cross borders to go. You know, politics is the art and science of living together peacefully while we tussle over the allocation of scarce resources and with climate change, with our scarce resources, with the fact that in America, only less than 2% of our families are farm and ranchers, uh, we have to be more vigilant and we have to be aware that we are our brother's keeper. The, the, um, I'm really glad we talk about this because talking to a woman who has campaigned, who is political, who is active, who has values, you just define politics in a certain way of caring for each other, but politics is also active. It should be the role of a government to make sure that every child is, is fed when they go to start their day at school, that they go home to a house where there is food, that there's access to food. And when we look at the poverty in the United States, uh, it is shocking that our children are hungry. I know that the president has tried to push laws through, is working on it. It must be one of the great concerns of, of his political life. And it all comes under the umbrella of health. And health uh, 
for every American it should be a right and not a privilege. And what, what was food like on the campaign trail? Well, very, very rarely did we get to go to a, a nice restaurant. The truth is the food on a campaign is grab and grow. Applebee's is a great, I presume, great restaurant, but one I never, ever want to walk into again because mm. every meeting in Iowa was at Applebee's and we had fried food and fried food and fried food. What, whatever it was, I, mm. it reminds me of campaigning and I'm not mm. disparaging Applebee's. I just, it reminds me of sitting, trying to talk a county chair into supporting my brother. Uh, the foods were what, you know, what we would pick up those uh, fruit bars that, that are supposed to give me energy and nutrition, but mm. mostly it was Coca-Cola, a hamburger, grabbing on the road, and then any and I mean this in the best sense, any local Italian restaurant was really good. My choice of restaurants would either be Italian or Greek. I love mm. both of those foods. I suppose my last question to you is to say if food is, alleviates hunger and food is an expression of love, it is also comfort. And so if you were having a day where you just looked at a meal or food as comfort, is there a food that you would choose to give you that comfort? Yeah, I would have uh, rigatoni with red sauce. And if I were particularly adventuresome, I would chop a salad because I know how to make oil and vinegar dressing. That's one of the few things I do know uh, that I'm good at. And I would have a salad and I would have some French bread with butter. Uh, I would have a Coke first. And this just shows you how unrefined I am. I would I would have my glass of wine after because I wouldn't want to mess up either taste. I know it's supposed to have wine and it's supposed to reflect and augment the food. I just want the red sauce. Well, you can have whatever you want, Val Biden. You can have whatever you want. Well, thank you very much. I'm going to come see you, okay? We're waiting for you. We're going to get that Diet Coke and red tomato sauce and a glass of white wine ready for you. To visit the online shop of The River Cafe, go to shoptherivercafe.co.uk. River Cafe Table 4 is a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. 
I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 